you are more than enough for me. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Thankful for everyone that's able to be in the house of the Lord here tonight. And we are so grateful to have Brother and Sister Claiborne with us. And thank you so much for singing. It was wonderful. And uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, people that are they're like Marines. They can just be dropped in any situation. And they make the best of it. And uh, they are spiritual Marines. And today is Veterans Day. So uh, we want to make sure that we honor our veterans as well. In Jesus' name. And our spiritual veterans. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is an honor to have them in the house, Lord. Uh, we would like Brother, Brother Claiborne to come and take his liberty and preach whatever he feels. Amen. Church, why don't we lift up our hands. Let's pray for the man of God as he comes in Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's ask God to touch the man of God in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. In Jesus' name. Let's continue to put our hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's continue to give him the praise he's worthy of. Jesus, you're mighty. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're excellent. Jesus, you're great and greatly to be praised. We love you. We worship you. We exalt you tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Amen. Isn't it an honor to be in the presence of God? Amen. Whether it's at church, whether it's at home, or wherever you're watching uh, the service tonight, it's just such an honor to be in the presence of God. I'm glad I'm with saints that don't take it for granted. I'm glad I'm with saints that don't take the presence of God for granted and the house of God for granted. Amen. I'm so, so thankful uh, to be here with all of you tonight. I'll be reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verses 15 through 20. The book of Genesis, chapter 19, verses 15 through 20. And give you some time to turn there. Give the media team some time. Uh, I've told them I'm, I'm notorious for um, making media teams frustrated at me because I, um, I don't always give the information ahead of time because I'm notorious for just switching it on them. So they've been kind enough to be patient and work with my idiosyncrasies. So thank you to the brothers back there. To the music team, thank you so much to everyone who serves and makes this church run smoothly. Thank you so much. Thank you to the Hoods for the opportunity once again to be here. Thankful for what God did on Sunday. Amen. If you weren't here, you missed it. Not because I'm here, but because Jesus was here. And uh, we'll have another opportunity tonight, another opportunity Sunday. So we're just excited about what God is doing. And um, while you're turning there in Scripture, I'll just give a little praise report. I'm I, I forgot to ask my wife about this, so hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble. I don't think it will, but, um, you know, last time we were here, and it was such an honor and privilege to be here, we got to meet several of you last time we were here in 2019. Uh, the Hoods were out of town at that time preaching over in Florida, and we were here helping covering, and um, we didn't obviously announce this to anyone, but my wife was actually going through some health difficulties at the time, some kind of some health scares, and... Uh, and we were just, it, it was an interesting time for us, I'll say that. We're glad to be here. We felt the presence of God, and we know faith was here, and God helped us. But we would go home and then have to pray some more at home against the spirit of fear and the spirit of infirmity that was kind of happening in 
her life, our lives at the time. Uh, in fact, we spent most days out of the week uh, when we weren't here at church going to doctor's appointments over in Truckee and other places, just trying to figure things out and get some answers. And I'm happy to tell you that by the grace of God, the things that we feared were not the case. God has touched my wife. God has healed my wife. She's here in wonderful health before you tonight. And so I don't know why when I was praying, I just felt to share that. I hope that's okay. And just share uh, her testimony, that testimony, one of many, uh, just to, I don't know, whoever needs to hear, just to build someone's faith tonight, uh, that God is a healer, that God sees where you are, that God loves you, He's with you. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I just want to speak a sound mind into someone's heart and someone's mind tonight. I just want to remind someone that's been filled with the Holy Ghost that part of your rightful privilege and inheritance is power, it's love, and a sound mind. So someone, as you're listening and watching, watching tonight, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, claim that rightful inheritance that's yours, which is the power of a sound mind. No matter what's going on, no matter what the doctors say, let Jesus give you a sound, peaceful mind tonight. Amen. That's just for free. Amen. That's not part of my notes, but I just felt to share that with someone here tonight. Amen. Genesis 19, 15 through 20. Of course, the background of this is the destruction of the uh, region of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'll pick up here in verse 15. It says, And when the morning arose, this was the day of the scheduled destruction. When the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, the man named Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. Uh, the previous scriptures, you can read it on your own time. God had said, I'm going to destroy this city. So that's the background of what we're reading in case you're not familiar with the story. The Bible says, and while he being Lot lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife, upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. That means Lot was hesitating to leave and they, in the Lord's mercy, yanked him out of there. Scripture says, And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, Lot. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Here's someone who's just been delivered, and now he's negotiating with the Lord about the terms of his deliverance. And he says, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. Amen. I want to stop there. There's so much more to this story. I would highly recommend, if you haven't already, reading Genesis 19. It is certainly contains much relevance for our current era. But I'm going to stop there, and the title of this sermon tonight is simply this. I'm not afraid to climb higher. I am not afraid to climb higher. Amen. I feel, I feel the Lord. I feel a witness just in speaking that. I am not afraid to climb higher. I wonder if we could lift our hands one more time, lift our voice before we're seated, before we go any further. 
And I wonder if we could just invite the presence of the Lord one more time into our hearts and our minds. Let's move any distraction out of the way. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we praise you. We're asking, God, that thy kingdom would come, thy will would be done in Carson City as it is in heaven, online in every person's home as it is in heaven, wherever they are watching and all of us gathered here tonight. Touch every heart and mind. Speak to us individually because, God, I cannot possibly cover every scenario and every situation, but, God, you can, and you can speak specifically and individually to every person gathered here and online. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's put our hands together for Jesus if you're going to preach with the preacher tonight. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. There is something in all of us that resists or wants to resist the higher spiritual altitudes that God often calls us to. For those, again, that don't know the story that we just read, Sodom and Gomorrah was a place of great wickedness. And, and we see a little glimpse into the wickedness when the Bible says that all of the men of the city, both young and old, came to Lot's door that day, surrounded his house because they had seen that two new men had come to town. And they were actually not just men, they were angels, messengers of the Lord. But these men of Sodom and Gomorrah were so wicked that they came uh, to the door and they were banging on the door. Lot came out and they demanded that Lot would bring those two men out so the men of the city could have their way with them and do whatever they wanted to do with and towards those angels. That, that is something even hard to just speak. Amen. But it's in our scripture to illustrate just how evil and how wicked. And I could go on and on. And Lot's response was also wicked. Lot offering his virgin daughters to uh, those wicked men so they would not touch the messengers of God. This is quite a unique scenario, and I don't mean to paint a pessimistic picture, but when you read this story, as I read it a few days ago, I've read it before, but but I was refreshing my memory in this. God had directed me to Genesis 19, and I was reading, and I was blown away, Pastor Hood, at so many of the parallels between Sodom and Gomorrah and between what is happening in modern life in different areas of our country and different areas of our world. Amen. And so because I could see the parallels, I knew that there was wisdom and there was answers and there was something to be drawn from this chapter. And I don't have time to go through all the different things that you can pull out of this wonderful, insightful, and tragic passage and chapter of scripture, but there is something I want to highlight, and it's the text that I read tonight of how Lot was being delivered from this wicked, wicked, evil city that God had made clear in no uncertain terms that it was going to be destroyed. Amen. And Lot knew that he was a recipient of God's mercy. He did not deserve to be delivered. Amen. He he uh, he hesitated, and, 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 and there was wickedness, as we could see, in his own family, and, uh, and, and, and scripture tells us, again, can't go into all of it, but that Lot probably had an important position, a judicial position in that city. And so there was a lot that he felt was at stake for him, and he hesitated to leave, and he knew that he shouldn't have hesitated, and yet God still pulled him out. So he knew that he was a recipient of great mercy, and yet still, still, when God pulls him out, as we read in the scripture, instead of going where God told him to go, God said, Lot, 
not. I want to take you. You need to go up to this mountain. You need to go to this high point lest you be consumed. Lot began to boldly and crassly negotiate with the Lord who was delivering him. He said, Lord, I know you want me to go up to the mountain, but, but listen, I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me and I die. And then he says, Lord, this city is near to me. It's near that I can flee unto, and it's a little one. It's just, it's just a small city. Can you just spare this city and let me just go to this little place? Let me just go to this small place. And the name of that city you'll read in your Bible was called Zoar. And when you look at the name of that city, the name Zoar just means little or insignificant. And what we find here in the scripture, I'm just diving right into this tonight, that Lot had a decision to make. He had two choices. He could go higher, he could go where God was calling him to go, or he could choose the little things, or he could choose the insignificant things, or he could choose to stay and settle for less than. He was afraid of the cost of going higher with God. He was afraid of what it might cost him to go higher in God. So instead, tragically, Lot decided to choose the little things. What's the, what's the big deal, Lord? It's, it's just a little place. I, I know you're calling me higher. I know, I know you're calling me deeper. I know you've been convicting me. I know you've been asking me to surrender some things. I know you've been wanting me to go deeper in my walk with you. But, but Lord, that's just a little too much. I don't know what's going to happen to me if I go up there. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my life, what I'm going to have to sacrifice if I go to those high spiritual altitudes with you. So instead, can I stay in Zoar? Can I stay in an insignificant place? Place? Can I stay and just mess with little things? Can I stay and just live an insignificant, petty life? Can I just stay down here because I don't want to mess with the sacrifice that the mountain requires of me? Lot was saying in that moment, I'm afraid, Lord, to go higher. I'm afraid to go where you're calling me to be, where you're calling me to go. And I've got a question for us tonight in Carson City, how many times, church, has God called us higher or God called me higher? God called you higher as an individual or us as a church, and we miss out because we choose to busy ourselves with little things, with petty things, with insignificant things, instead of going to the depths and going to the heights of where God has called us and God is calling us to go. I've just come to preach to a church tonight. I am not afraid to climb higher. I am not afraid to go higher in God. I'm not afraid of what it's going to require of me. I'm not afraid of what I might have to sacrifice. I'm not afraid of my perspective that may have to change. I'm not afraid that God of the attitude check and the attitude change that God might have to perform in me. I am not afraid to go higher. I'm not afraid to step out in faith. I'm not afraid to be bold. I'm not afraid to go where I haven't gone yet before. I'm not afraid to be creative for God. I'm not afraid to go claim areas of Carson City that I've never been in before, I am not afraid to climb higher with God. I will not be like Lot. I will not be afraid to go higher and miss out on the blessings and miss out on the deep walk with God and the deep relationship that he wants to give me. But how many times instead do we choose the insignificant things, the petty things? Amen. We, we distract ourselves with the busyness of life or we justify not having to go higher, amen, because of petty things, because of petty hurts, because of petty distractions, because of 
jealousy or because of bitterness or because of anger or because of what someone did to us in the past. And so we say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not even going to mess with all that. I'm just going to stay down here and live in this small place and do things that I've always done and do it the same way that I've always done it because, God, I don't want to even have to think about what it might require of me to go to another level with you. But I'm glad I'm preaching to a church tonight that doesn't feel that way. I'm glad I'm preaching to a church that says, I am not afraid to climb higher. I'm not afraid to be here at the house of God more. I'm not afraid to pray more. I'm not afraid to fast more. I'm not afraid to witness more. I'm not afraid to get to know my Bible more. I'm Hallelujah. I'm not afraid to pray the prayer of faith. I'm not afraid to lay my hands on the sick and people out and about in Carson City and believe that they're going to recover. I am not going to be afraid to climb higher. I don't care what my family might think of me. They might think I'm nuts. They might hear me speaking in tongues in the other room and think I've lost my mind. I don't care because I am not afraid to climb higher. I'm not settling for the status quo. Amen. There's parts of America that are turning into a Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you and I want to know how we're going to how we're going to not just survive but thrive in that kind of environment, if you want to just survive, then go to Zoar. Just go to the little places. Just mess around with insignificant things. But if you want to thrive in the middle of a Sodom and Gomorrah environment, then you need to go to the mountains, honey. You need to climb higher. You need to glow deeper. And then it will not matter what kind of destruction is happening in the world around you because you will be in an elevated position to do great things from God, to hear from God. You don't know, you want to know where you can hear from God? Up on the mountain. You know where God spoke often? Up on the mountain. Amen. I am not afraid to climb higher, to go higher, to change whatever I need to change in my life, to go deeper and higher with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The answer is more of him. The answer is more of his presence, more of him and less of me. I, I could get so caught up, amen, in all that's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. I, I could choose to go to this little place where I could still keep my eye on Sodom and Gomorrah and still keep an attachment and still keep a piece of my heart there. Or I could go higher and say, you know what, God, I'm trusting you with all that. I'm trusting you with that. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm not in control. When I'm up in the mountains, I can't, I can't see all of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not reading the news every 30 minutes. I'm not, I'm not so intoxicated and so afraid because of the chaos that's going on. I don't want to stay so tethered to all of that. I don't know what's going to happen. I want to be involved in the world. I want to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. I want to reach people. I want to love people. I want to pray for my nation, but I don't want my heart to be tied to those things. I want my heart to be tied with Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because when my heart is knit together with his, then no Sodom and Gomorrah can take away my joy, can take away my peace, can take away my hope. The world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away. Amen. Some of us, we fluctuate too much. Our joy fluctuates too much because our joy is based in earthly things. Our peace fluctuates too much because we base our peace on earthly things. 
things. But if we could base those things in heaven, base those things in God, then no matter what's happening in life around us, even if it's hard, even if we've got the blues, our joy can stay steady. Our peace can stay steady. Our hope can stay steady. And we can be a powerful impact for the kingdom of God in 2020. I don't care how old you are. I don't care your background. I don't care how young you are. God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of you here in Carson City. God has knit us all together for such a time as this. Amen. Every brother and every sister, you are significant and we've got to unite. We've got to unite. We've got to agree together that we are going to see the kingdom of God come in a powerful way in Carson City in 2020 and 2021. Come on, church. Can we agree together on that tonight? In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I don't want to resist the higher spiritual altitude that God is calling me to. I want to be the opposite of Lot. Okay, God, let's go higher. Let's go deeper. Whatever it takes, I'm in. You know, God is not a respecter of persons, so you're all qualified. You're all qualified to be... To know God more, to be used of God more. And there's no greater peace and no greater joy than walking hand in hand with God. He's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. And how much you and I believe and how much you and I have faith, that, that's a determining factor of how deeper we go in God. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of attitudes. Your attitude and my attitude will determine how far we go, how much we stay the same, or how far we go back. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of perspectives. And if I have to change my attitude, if I have to change my perspective, if I have to increase my level of faith to go deeper in God, then that is exactly what I'm going to do. It's not all about me and my perspective. It's not all about me and my attitude. I want a biblical attitude. I want a biblical perspective. I want to be like Christ. I didn't get in this thing to get average. I didn't get in this thing to stay the same. I got into this. I signed up for Christianity so day by day I could become more and more like my Savior. I could be more and more like Jesus Christ. And can I just tell someone, if you've hit the pause button and you don't feel like you've become more like Christ in a long time, can I tell you, now's the time to kick the blockades out of the way and say whatever it takes, I'm going to keep forming that Christ-like character. I'm going to keep on becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm going to obey his word no matter how uncomfortable it is to my flesh. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop fighting his love. I'm going to receive his love. I'm, I'm, going to stop, I'm going to stop believing the lies of the enemy. I'm going to start believing the report of the Lord. I'm going to stop living in perpetual insecurity. And instead, I'm going to know who I am in Christ, that I'm a son or a daughter of God, and nobody can take that title away from me. Come on, I'm going to start believing what God says about me. I'm going to push aside what the world has said about me, what, 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 what unkind family members said about me, what old friends used to say about me that has kept me locked up and kept me bound and kept me the same. I'm pushing all of that aside. Why? Because I'm not afraid to climb higher. I'm not afraid to give up my security blankets. I'm not afraid to surrender to God what happened to me when I was a child that's kept me locked up and bound. No, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go higher. There's no time to waste. I want to know my God more. Somebody clap your hands in praise. Hallelujah. 
you might say, you know, you're preaching a message about going deeper, preacher, when, when uh, there's a lot of people out sick right now. There's a lot of people out not feeling well right now. There, there's a lot of people dealing with different situations right now and the chaos of our country. And there's a lot of people having to be online right now for different reasons. And, and, and don't you think this is kind of an odd time, preacher, to talk about going higher and going deeper? No, it may seem oxymoronic to our flesh, amen, but all I can tell you is what I felt in the spirit. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know what I'm talking to. I don't know if I'm talking to just a spiritual giant that has just stood here with its arms crossed, a, a spiritual a, a false god, a spiritual idol, a spiritual a, a stronghold that has stood there and has, and, and has lied and has spoke things that aren't true. I don't know if that's what I'm speaking to, but so be it. I'm pushing that aside in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke strongholds that have held you captive and held the church captive for years, whatever they might be. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I'm speaking to the spirits of hell and letting them know I am not afraid to climb higher. I don't care what it's going to require of me. I want more of God for me and my church. I want Ark Carson City to be a refuge here in Nevada. I want it to be a strategic stronghold for Jesus Christ. I want it to be a light to the world and a light to the nations. Come on, is somebody getting that vision in their mind tonight? I'm ready. Now is the time. We don't have to wait a day longer. Yes, in the middle of the chaos when there's all kinds of people who have questions and are afraid and hungry for God. Yes, now is the time for us to press forward, not to stay here, not to step back, not to cower in fear. Now is the time to go higher. I know I'm a broken record tonight, but there's things, there's things that we can, because we're human, I do it too, we can all do it, that, that, that we allow to hold ourselves back for years, and we miss out on a quality of life, a quality with Jesus for years because of insignificant things, because of a zoar, an insignificant place insignificant things, things that we have got so worked up about, things that are so small, but we held it in, and we didn't heal it, and we didn't give it to God, so that molehill turned into a mountain, and it's insignificant things, things that should not matter, things that we should not have argued about, things that we should have not got so bitter about, things that we should have not pushed others away about, things that when God looks down from heaven, and when we look at it from the big picture, those things are very insignificant. You've got to remember, amen, where you came from. You've got to remember how much God did for you, how much he forgave you, how much sins he washed away in his blood. Oh. Listen, when you start looking at the bigger picture, when you start remembering all that God has done for you, amen, when you start realizing what the blood accomplished for you, then all of a sudden the world grows strangely dim. And things that seem so big, all of a sudden they turn petty. Things that seem so important, all of a sudden they turn insignificant because you realize, you know what, God, you're in control. And if that person talked about me, you can handle it. Guess what? That person has their own relationship with God, and they're going to have to answer to God themselves on that day of judgment let them work it out let God take care of it amen sometimes we've just got to close our mouth and just close our eyes and get on our knees and pray and let God take care of those seemingly insignificant petty things that happen in our life 
I am not going to let something small, I am not going to let something insignificant spring up in me and cause a mountain in my life. No, I'm going to surrender those things to God. I'm going to give them to God before they fester. I'm going to give them to God before they turn into an infection in my spirit. I am not going to miss out on what God has for me because of insignificant things. I've had people lie about me. I've had people try to manipulate me. I've had people steal money from me. I have people that still owe me money to this day. Amen. And it hurts. And it's not always fun or fair. But something had to happen in this young man where I said, I am not going to try to worry or take care of that or figure all that out. You know what? I'd rather be poor. I'd rather be without that money but have a good spirit than demand that I'm paid back for everything that's owed to me and get all my money back and have a nasty spirit. Absolutely not. No way. God, I surrender it to you. You keep perfect books, God. You keep perfect books. You know, and I'm going to trust you that you're keeping record of everything that happens down here on earth. So I have no excuse to have a negative attitude or a negative perspective. I have no excuse I'm going to trust you, God. Hallelujah. I hope you know I'm preaching, I'm, I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to everybody tonight. Receive this in love tonight. I'm trying to speak the truth in love to somebody here tonight. I'm tired of letting insignificant things keep me from where God wants to take me. Amen. I wondered sometimes, you know, churches, huh, how much quicker. I know, I know it's not all about speed, but I wonder how much quicker churches would reach certain climaxes and apex. Amen. If every individual member would do their best to just say, I'm not going to trip up. I'm not going to get tripped up over insignificant things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, speaking of mountains, those of us that maybe are familiar we know that Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mountain called the Mountain of Transfiguration. For those that don't know, this is where they heard the voice of God. This is where Jesus' face shone like light. This is where the spirits of Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking to Jesus. What an incredible experience. I know most of us here would chop off our right arms, amen, to get to experience something like that. And I'm happy to tell you when we get to heaven, it'll be all that and more. It was probably the most powerful thing those three disciples ever experienced. And no one knows exactly which mountain that experience happened on. But here's what's interesting. You can look this up yourself. The Gospels, Matthew and Mark, two separate individuals, when they talk about this experience, they call it a high mountain. They refer to it as a high mountain. And they had never been up on the top of that mountain. But here's what's so interesting. Peter the one who was actually there on top of that glorious mountain, the one who actually saw the glory of God. In 2 Peter 1 and 18, Peter called it the holy mountain. Another translation says sacred mountain instead of holy. You say, why is this important? This is important because those who were not there on top of the mountain in the presence of God called it high. They called it hard. But those who were there in the presence of God at the top of the mountain called it holy. Do you understand? What we see as high and what we see as hard, God calls it holy. What makes the difference is spiritual altitude. Those who are at the foot of the mountain do not understand but those who climb the mountain can say, my God, the obedience was worth it. 
The sacrifice was worth it. The prayer was worth it. Forgiving my brother or my sister was worth it. Loving my enemies was worth it because here I am in the presence of God dancing with Moses and Jesus and Elijah and nothing can compare. I've just come to preach to someone. If we are willing to climb the mountain and get into God's presence and go higher with him, then our perspective about the mountain will change and we will no longer see it as something high. We will no longer see it as something hard. We will no longer see growth and increase as impossible. But instead, we will say, wow, this is what it's all about. This isn't hard. It's holy. This isn't high. This is wonderful. This isn't difficult. This is deliverance. Hallelujah. It was worth it. It was worth it. Loving my enemies was worth it. Forgiving people was worth it. Releasing my jealousy and releasing my bitterness and my my anger and my fears into the hands of God was worth it. Because now here I am at the top. And I always used to think it's just too hard. It's just too high. It's just too difficult. Why why can't we just settle for 50 people on the pews? Why do we got to push for 250? Come on, why, why? It, it, it's just too high. It's just too hard. You know, do you know all the difficult situations we're going to have to work with? The difficult people coming in here with their different backgrounds and drug addictions and sexual addictions and all kinds of different stuff. You know, that's just that's kind of a high mountain. I don't know. That's kind of hard. But you, you got to understand, when you just get into that flow with God, when you surrender, uh, surrender everything to God, when you're doing your best to live your life in obedience with God, walking with Him hand in hand, those things that the world might call impossible, those things that people who don't have faith might call high or hard, you can look at it and say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, it's holy, it's beautiful, it's totally within the realm of possibility. Amen. With with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. I've just come to remind someone that you can can climb the mountain, whatever, whatever the mountain is, whatever that represents for you, whatever obstacles that you have to overcome, amen, to, to have more joy, to have more peace, to know God more, to be able to love yourself more in God, to be able to love others more, whatever your obstacles are to reaching those spiritual heights, you can overcome those obstacles, church. You can. I don't care what you've been facing. I don't, I don't care what's been going on in your life. I mean, I do care, but I, I, when I say I don't care, I mean none of those things will stop, amen, what God wants to do in your life. If you make your, up your mind to give those obstacles to him, to trust in him, you can go deeper no matter what's been going on. You can go higher in God no matter what's been happening in your family or in your life. God is trying to let us know, climb higher, church. Climb higher, ARC. Climb higher, Carson City. Climb higher, Pastor Hood. Climb higher, saints of God. Climb higher, Brother Mark. Climb higher. Climb higher. You can do it. I know you're busy. I know there's problems. I know there's stress. But you can have more of me. You can know more of me. You can experience my power and my greatness in a mighty greater way in 2020 and 2021. Keep going deeper in him. Don't believe the lies that it's too hard. Don't believe the lies that it's too hard to be that faithful and too hard to be that consecrated and too hard to be that obedient. Don't believe the lies that it's too difficult to be used in an incredible way for God. God isn't looking for the most talented. He's just looking for the most available. He's just looking for the most willing. What, what, what is your obstacle tonight? 
Is your obstacle, is the mountain that you have to climb, is it, is, it, is it words that someone said to you years ago that have stuck in your spirit and it's created this kind of spiritual autoimmune disease where you keep attacking yourself over and over spiritually? Is, is that the obstacle you have to climb? Is it, is it doubt? Is it cynicism? Is it unbelief? Is it intense fear? Is it, is it, is it, is it this self-hatred because of mistakes that you've made or things you've done in your past and you've had a hard time accepting God? God's forgiveness into your life? Is it, is it jealousy? Is it, is it bitterness? Is it insecurity that is turned into a venom snake where you don't want anyone else to succeed and you don't want anyone else to do well because, because then that would mean they might be better than you and you feel so insecure and unworthy in your life you, don't, you can't rejoice or celebrate with anybody else? Is that the obstacle that you're facing? Whatever it is, we've all got things that keep us from going higher and I've just come to tell, I don't care if it's a handful of people, there's a level of joy. There's a level of peace that God wants to give you, but it's up to you to get on your knees and say, God, I'm willing to go higher. Tell me what I need to do to change. Tell me what I need to do to grow. Tell me what I need to do to go higher. I'm not talking about just working for God. I'm talking about walking with God. One man said, many, many men have failed God working for him. But no one has ever failed God by walking with him. And I know some of the elders can say amen. We're talking about walking with him hand in hand. We're talking about saying, God, I might be 25, I might be 75. But I know that none of us have made it because we're not perfect. And so that means that there's some things in me that could change and need to change. Doesn't mean I'm a terrible person. That just means that, God, you're trying to take ARC higher. And I want to be someone that goes higher with you, not someone that is an impediment to God taking us higher. So God... If I'm 25 or 75, speak to me. Tell me, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? I'm here to humble myself before you in your presence and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I am here to do it. The scripture says, we like to quote it all the time in 2 Chronicles, I believe 714, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land. And of course, if they turn from their wicked ways is part of the qualification as well. But notice what it says. I know we hear it all the time. If my people humble themselves and pray, then the promises will be enacted. Then the promises will be there to reach out and grab. It, you know, I, I used to think that if you didn't humble yourself, you weren't really praying. But, but I've kind of learned over the years in my young age that, that the scary thing is you actually can pray without humbling yourself. But if you pray without humility, then you won't receive the promises of God. We've got to make up in our mind, every one of us, I'm preaching to myself, God, when I get on my knees to pray, I don't want to do it just to check off a box. I don't want to pray just to rain coals of fire on my enemy's head. But instead, I want to be humble in your presence because that's what's going to make my prayers work. Otherwise, I can spin my wheels and pray for an hour. But if my spirit's not humble and I don't have a spirit of surrender, then I will not see the promises of God in my church, in my city, in my state, and in my nation. We've got to be able to humble ourselves. Amen. Amen. Getting on our knees in humility is what puts us back on our feet again. Amen. We go higher by first going low to the feet of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm going to move quickly here. And I know it just this may be a little different tonight than what we do on Sunday. But this is just somebody... Somebody needs to hear this tonight. I, 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 I'm, I'm stepping alongside with you in the spirit saying, church, I want to go higher with you. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, ye are the light of the world. 
A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. This is a scripture some of us have been he heard since Sunday school perhaps, and yet it's one we need to revisit as often as we can. A city that is set on a hill, a church that is set on a hill cannot be hid. You know why it's important that we go higher? Because a church that's on a hill can't be hid. You know why it's important that we go higher? Amen. Because the higher we go, the greater spiritual elevation we reach, the further the light that is on the hill can reach. If we forever stay in the plains, if we forever stay in the flatlands, then not everybody will be able to see our light. But the higher we go up on those mountains, then the more people will be able to see our witness, our power, what we believe, our love, our kindness. Come on, church. We've got to go higher not just for us, but for a hurting world. We cannot stay the same. We cannot stay here where we are. The world has to be able to see our light. We got to get out there on top of those snow-capped mountain peaks in order for people to see what God is wanting to do in Carson City, Nevada. Oh, somebody praise him right now. We were made to go higher. We weren't made to stay where we are. We were made to let our light shine. We are the hope of the world. That's what the scripture says. We are the hope of the world. Amen. It's time to go higher so we can be that church set on a hill. I've just come to tell someone it's time to be the refuge that Carson City needs. I know this is simple, meat and potatoes preaching, but the world, if there's one thing we could all agree on, the world needs a refuge. The world, I, I believe God is trying to set up strategic lighthouses, strategic spiritual lighthouses all over this nation and all over this world. And he's looking for people. He's not looking for the most perfect, the most talented, the best at something. He's looking for people that are the most humble, the most meek, the most loving, and the most kind. Because you say, how can I be that refuge to a hurting city, a hurting state? I, I, I'm not that talented. I may not sing. I may not play. I, I may not speak very well. But you can love, can't you? But you can love others, can't you? And when you think about the people that have made the greatest impact in your life, is it the singers? I know the celebrities like to think that they're a big deal and like to think that they make a big difference in people's lives. They, they really don't. The people that sang to you, is that, are those the people that made the big difference? No, no, the, listen, the people that have made the biggest difference in your life are people that came up alongside you and loved you, loved you in your mess, loved you in your dysfunction, loved you when you didn't deserve it. You may not be the most talented at some stuff. I may not be the most talented at some stuff, but all of us can love radically. All of us can love in such a way that people in our city say, my God, what is different about that person? I have not felt that much warmth. I have not felt that much light and love in a long time. That that's going to be the thing that draws people from all corners of this state and all corners of the city into the house of God. Hallelujah. It's time to be the refuge that Carson City needs. We've got to be so spiritually and emotionally whole, spiritually and emotionally healthy, as much as we can be, that, that, that our capacity is increased and we can be able to handle the worst of the worst. 
We've got to be so set and so and, and be willing to go so deep and so emotionally and spiritually whole, amen, that, that we can have prostitutes come off the streets and we know exactly what to do with them. We can have, and I, and I know some of you already have experienced that, we can have the worst of the worst of society. We can have people that don't have parents. We can have a whole influx of orphans and instead of saying, my God, what do we do? No, we know exactly what we're going to do because we've decided we are the refuge. We are the lighthouse for Carson. City, Nevada. Hallelujah. We have an ever important job in this hour. I'm moving to a close. Thank you for your patience. We have an ever important job in this hour. And it's, I, know, I know it's so simple. Don't miss the profundity. It's to turn hearts to Christ. To turn hearts to Christ. I know the political world is crazy right now. I know. I know that we, we, some of us have been disappointed by some of the things that are happening and gravely concerned. And I understand. I'm one of them. But listen, we can make a much greater impact via the church than via politics. And can I just be honest with you? Because I, 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 you know, I just really care about right and wrong and justice and all of that. You know, there's been times throughout this year where, where I've been so upset. And I know you probably felt this way too. You know, I've had that, that thought flash across my mind, Pastor, Pastor Hood. Well, maybe I should just get involved in politics. Maybe I should just run for governor somewhere. Maybe I should just run for mayor somewhere. You know, I get, I get the, I'm just being real. This is just my flesh. This is just Brother Claiborne in some of those weak moments because I, I just get so frustrated the way I see things are handled. But God reminds me, Brennan, I have called you to preach, and that is not a handicap. That is greater than anything you could do in the political world. Because in the political world, I might be able to get people to switch their political party. I might get them to be able to change their mind a little bit. But I don't know if I could really ever get them to change their hearts. But as a preacher of the gospel, as an apostolic, as a Christian, I cannot just change minds. I can turn hearts. I can help people switch allegiance from politics to Jesus. I can help Democrats. I can help Republicans. I can help independents where it no longer becomes about all that but instead they pledge their hearts in allegiance to God. That's the real change that took place. Listen to me. If every person in this country, 330 million people tomorrow, all turned their hearts to Christ sincerely, then we would have no more issues. Hallelujah. That's the answer for people. Their hearts to be converted to Christ. That's how we're going to push back the darkness. That's how we're going to make the difference. One soul at a time. One human heart at a time. At a time, somebody praise him if you feel a witness with that tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We have the church have the power to change the landscape one human heart at a time. And can I just tell you, can I just, you know, the scripture tells me one of my jobs is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. So sometimes there's reproving and rebuking. Other times there's exhorting. And sometimes, I don't know. In some circles I've been in, I wonder, do they leave enough time for exhorting? So let me just exhort you. Let me just encourage you a little bit. Thank God for the church. Thank God. I thank God for you. I thank God for you, sister. I thank God for you, brother. I thank God for you, younger. I thank God for you, elder. Can I just tell you, as we're in this quest to go deeper, can I just encourage you that you don't realize how big of an impact you make every time you give. Every time you're faithful to the house of God, every time you donate your time, every time you donate your prayers, come on somebody, this is not a small thing. 
You, you, if it's not a big deal, then try to imagine in your mind if every person in America stopped praying and stopped believing and start coming to church. Try to picture in your mind what a dark nation that would be. Try to picture in your mind what a spiritually evil that place would be. The church and the Spirit of God is the only restraining force against the evil forces in this world. You are more important than you realize. Your faith is more important than you realize. Your faithfulness is bigger than you think. Your prayers are bigger than you think. Come on, church. We are here to push back the darkness in Carson City and reap a harvest and reap a revival like we've never seen before. If you did not pray, if you did not fast, if you did not love, if you did not hold people's hands in the midst of their chaos, if you did not talk to people, encourage people, and get to know their stories, if you didn't do all of those things, then there would be no church here. There would be no refuge for people in Carson. I know this is simple. I'm just trying to remind you of what maybe we've forgotten. Try to imagine all of our cities without refuges like this. If there were no saints, there would be no hope. If there were no saints, there would be no hope. Can I just encourage someone? Now is not the time to stay here or go back. Now is the time to unify with your brothers and sisters. And I know some of us are sick, but every time you can, be here at the house of God. Now is not the time to dip in and dip out, to be at church one month and disappear for six months and then come back. Now is not the time to just come for Easter and come for Christmas. Now is the time to unify because the more people that are here faithful to God, the stronger of a refuge that we can be for that hurting world world out there. If there were no saints, then there would be no one to model to the world what a redeemed, holy, meaningful life looks like. And this is why it's so important, church, it's so important that we stay unified and we're able to right our wrongs and be reconciled. Because if we cannot be reconciled, how on earth are we supposed to model to the world what reconciliation looks like? So much tension, so much disagreements. Our country is more divided than ever. And if the church is divided, a house divided against itself cannot stand. If we are divided and not united, there will be no one to model to the world what reconciliation looks like. And, and, and we are told in Scripture that Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job, each and every one of us, to help reconcile hearts to Christ, to make sure our hearts are reconciled to Christ. Amen. If you're here tonight and, and you don't feel like your heart is fully reconciled to Christ, can I just say this again as an evangelist? It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what the trauma's been going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you even made a mistake a day ago or a week ago. You can repent at an altar tonight. God will forgive you. God will take you back in. And your heart can be reconciled to God again. And then you can be on the track again to help others be reconciled to God. I, listen, I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but there's someone here that has come with a, with a backload full of condemnation. And that's not part of my sermon tonight. I'm just stepping off to tell you God wants to help you with that. God wants to carry that load for you. God wants to deliver you from that condemnation. He's letting you know I love you. I care about you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. I want, go ahead. The musicians can come. You say, but preacher, what about our limitations? You know, there's so many, right? We're so human. We're so flawed. There's so many things. What, preacher, what about our limitations? What about, what about our building capacity? 
you know, preacher, don't you know we, we need another building? We need a bigger building, you know. I know that a ton of people were missing on Sunday. But if you are here on Sunday, you could already see how when everyone's here together, then, then we already be in a place where we're struggling for room, aren't we? So, preacher, how, how are we going to do this? What, what about building capacity? You know, we're in a storefront here and we need, listen, can I just remind you, can I just give you some practical preaching tonight? That people are not as interested in a big church or a small church as much as you think. You know, we get intimidated and think, well, we're, we're not as big as some other churches in the state. We're not as big as this church over there or this church o- over on that side of town or whatever. First of all, the size doesn't matter. What's being preached matters. Amen. And we do our level best to preach the apostolic truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ in its entirety. But, you know, people aren't interested in that. You know, sometimes the church gets intimidated by that, but we shouldn't. Other, other times, I've seen when churches start to grow, you know, they get worried because they know some people are attracted to a small church. And they think, man, we're getting so big, you know, now, now we're going to have a hard time reaching people. Because some people, maybe who are more introverted or whatever, they, they don't want to come unless it's a smaller environment. And so we get worried about big church or small church. You know, the people out there, they're not interested. They're not worried about that as much as we are. You know what people want? People are interested in an effective church. That's what they care about, an effective church. A, ch- a church, a church that, that is charitable, a church that is loving, a church that is quick to forgive. The Bible says, by this all men shall know you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's an effective church. A, a church that helps people up when they're down. A church that doesn't let anyone slip through the cracks if they can help it. A church that takes the time to go to other people on the pews and get to know their stories. You know, sometimes I'm afraid that, that there's people that have been going to church with other people for years. Seen them across the aisle for years. And I've never gotten to know their story. That's a travesty. That's a travesty that we have people in our churches that have never gotten to know the stories of the people around them. You want to be more unified? You want to come together in one cohesive church? Get to know each other's story in a way you never have before. Have someone over for dinner. Have someone over for lunch. I want to be an effective church. I don't care whether I'm big or small by the world standards. You know, it's kind of like this. I'll give you an example. We've all been to that maybe fancy restaurant. You know, we went in, it looked real nice, big chandelier. We go, we sit down, we're excited about the food. Food's a little expensive, but okay, we'll try it. We put our fork in it, put it in our mouth, and it's not that good. And all the ambiance and everything, it just kind of was a charade. And then we've all been to that place, hole in the wall, falling apart, maybe a little rat scurrying out from the kitchen. But there's a, but there's a line down the block to get in. Why? Because the food is good. Because that's an effective restaurant. People don't care so much about the big or the small, the fanciest or the not. What people just want is good food. What people just want is good people. What people just want is an effective church. That's what we're striving to be. That's what we can be if we all get together unified on the same page tonight. I felt God telling me that in prayer. That word kept coming to my mind, unity. Unity. I don't know what that means. I don't know anything about this church. Unity. You take that and and, and put that where it fits. God is wanting us to be unified. You say, but preacher, about this going deeper, you know, climbing higher, I I don't have many talents. You know, we talked about that before. Amen. I, I, I don't have all the gifts. Amen. Again, isn't God's love the most powerful force on planet earth? And if you're filled with the Holy Ghost... You can can channel that love. You can give that love to others when they need it most. Listen, again, I'm just giving you some practicalities tonight. I'm just giving you a shotgun approach here tonight. Remember this. 
people usually don't remember what you say as much as they remember how you make them feel. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, mis- I'm not misrepresenting or misunderstanding the power of the preached word. I know that people will listen to the, to the preached word and their lives will be changed when they receive the word of God. I understand that. But you know, people that are new here, I could preach an entire sermon and they may not understand 70% of it if they're biblically illiterate. They may not understand it all right away because they may not have any biblical or Holy Ghost language. They, they've never learned the terms, the language. So they may not understand everything I say or Pastor Hood says, but you know what they will understand? The way we make them feel. The way they feel by the time they leave this house of God. Here's an example. Have you ever been to a doctor that came in and he gave you all these different doctor terms and lingo? He told you about this part of your body and this bone and that bone and gave you all this information. And you really, when you left, you couldn't quote that information to someone. All you could tell you, all you could tell someone was how that doctor made you feel. Because it doesn't matter how much they quote to you or how much that doctor information gave you. If he was rude and unkind, that's all you're going to remember. And if there was a doctor that gave you all this lingo and all this different stuff, but he was kind and sweet and had a bedside manner, you would go home to your spouse. You wouldn't remember half the stuff he said. But you'd say, man, I like that doctor. Man, that doctor gave me hope. Man, that doctor gave me peace. That's how we of the church has to have to be. That's how we have to treat everybody that comes in these doors. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I've just felt to remind us tonight, this is all a part of climbing higher. These things may seem small, the, hallelujah, but they aren't small. It's, it's a small fly that spoils the ointment, amen. It's, a, it's, it's the little fox that will spoil a vine. These things are bigger than you think they are. This is how we climb higher, by loving more, by getting more joy, by getting more peace, by forgiving, by letting go of things letting go of bitterness hallelujah letting go of these this is how we climb higher how we make people feel when they come to the house of God hallelujah so as I'm concluding this evening I just want to ask us church are we willing to do whatever it takes to go higher are we willing to change whatever we need to change I would say it's worth it whatever I got to change in my heart whatever person I have to go to and ask for forgiveness it's worth it Because that tension and that lack of unity will keep the church from going where it needs to go. Whoever I have to receive forgiveness from, they they asked for an apology. They said they were sorry, but I've held it against them. Now is the time to let it go. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. And I'm telling you, these things, these things, they seem so small, but they're not. All of these things, if we can get, if we can increase our capacity, if we can get more spiritually whole, I'm telling you, our church, things will just progress and progress and progress. Because it's not just about getting people in the door. It's about getting them to come back and feel loved and feel welcome and feel like they're a part of a family. And if we are so dysfunctional as a family, then there may be some people that may not want to join it. And I know there will always be problems in a family. If you've got brothers and sisters, you know you fight. But you also know that you die for them. You also know that you do anything for them. we got to have that kind of cohesiveness, that unity. In order to see your church have revival, and, and my church, or whatever church, you have to allow God to revive you. It all starts right here. It all starts with a single decision of a man or a woman that says, I'm not afraid to climb higher. I'm not afraid to sacrifice. I'm not afraid to go deeper. In order for the church to go deeper, duh, 
<laughs> you know this. I'm not trying to tell you just a bunch of things you already know. But individuals, we have to go deeper. One by one, each of us. The church is like a hospital. It's not a social club. It's not a place for TED Talks. It's not a place where we just hang out. The church is like a hospital. And our job is to save, to heal, and to restore broken souls. But if the hospital's staff is not unified, if all the doctors, surgeons, and nurses are on different pages, griping at each other behind each other's back, if the hospital staff are sickly themselves, if the nurses aren't trained, then that hospital won't be effective. The hospital's creative purpose will never be fulfilled or reached. So if we want to perform good surgeries, we have to be good surgeons. If we want to nurse people back to health, we have to be healthy nurses. We have to, we have to go higher. We have to go deeper. And as I'm concluding, because I, I, I don't want to take any more of your time, and I feel the Lord here, so we're going to pray, and we're going to receive what was spoken to us tonight. But can I remind you, the path to higher and the path to deeper is obedience. The path to higher and the path to deeper is our obedience. You know, sometimes we think, you know, if I would just pray more, if I would just fast more, if I would just, then everything would fall into place. And listen to me. Of course those things are crucial. Those things are necessary. If you can pray more, do it. If you can fast more, do it. That's very important for any kind of revival. But prayer and fasting and, and, and even coming to church faithfully to your attendance, but not being obedient to the Word of God. Not, not, not allowing ourselves to be completely, radically transformed by this and wanting to obey every piece of this, then we're not going to see that all we could see. It's, it's, it's getting back to our spiritual ABCs, church. It's getting back to our basics, and I'm preaching to myself. It's going back to the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's going back to places about meekness and about humility and about forgiveness and about love and about kindness. It's, it's, about, it's about obeying those things in the Word that make us so uncomfortable, and really, it's really hard to shape our lives to, but the the path to higher and the path to deeper is obedience. It's, it's giving our full attention to what the Spirit of God is saying. And whether it's an evangelist preaching or pastor preaching and he preaches something, amen, in the Word of God that, 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 that may convict us a little bit at first, amen, but if we can say, you know what, I, I, I want to obey this thing. I, I want to love others more. I, I, I want to love my family members that hurt me. You know, my spouse has really upset me, but I want to forgive them. I want to love them more. I, I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. You know, all of these scriptures that sometimes we forget the path to higher and deeper is to obey all of those things not just to pray not just to fast but to do our very best and i know i'm preaching to a church that does please don't mistake me tonight i'm just speaking love speaking the truth and love to you tonight amen it's those of us that are willing to fast to pray and also to obey to allow the word of god like it says in the book of james to be a mirror that reflects back to us who we really are and what we really are. And not be so afraid of our reflection that we ignore it and that we don't look into that mirror. No, instead, we let the Word of God be our reflection. We allow, we allow the Word of God to go deep in us. We, we, we allow this to be a mirror that helps us 
have introspection and helps us have self-reflection and helps us say, okay, God, it's kind of painful to look in this mirror because I'm seeing all my warts. I'm seeing all the problems with me. I'm, I'm seeing all the pimples and everything else. But the only way I'm going to get better and go deeper is if I keep on looking in this mirror. Because as you mentioned, Pastor Hood, in this mirror, I'm not just seeing my reflection. When I look in the mirror, which is the word of God, I'm also seeing the reflection of Christ. And I see how my reflection does not match up to his, but I want it to. But if I keep on looking away and I keep on giving my attention to other things and I keep on allowing myself to be distracted, then the Bible says that I will walk away and forget what manner of man I was. If I, am, if I am just a hearer and not a doer, if I do not obey, amen, and I try my best to apply the word of God, if I just absorb information and never apply information, if I'm just a hearer and not a doer, then I will walk away from the mirror and forget what God revealed to me about me that I need to change, and I will stay in a perpetual cycle of dysfunction. I want to be someone that's willing to stare into the word and stare into the mirror. And even when it says, Brennan, you're, you're struggling with fear. Brennan, you have a problem with jealousy. Brennan, you have a problem with unforgiveness. Brennan, you have a problem with bitterness. I want to say, you know what? I'm not afraid to climb higher. I'm not afraid to go deeper. Go ahead, God. Tell me what I need to improve. Tell me what I need to do better because I want to be more like you. I don't want to stay the way I am. I don't want to keep doing things the way I've always done them. Your word is like a mirror. Tell me, God, what I need to do, what I need to change about myself. Whatever I need to work on, whatever I need to do, I'll do it. I know this is different tonight. I've taken enough of your time. I'm done preaching. I wonder if we could stand all over this house. I wonder if there's someone that says, I'm not afraid to climb higher. I'm not afraid to go deeper. I'm not afraid what the word of God might reveal to me about me. I'm not afraid what security blankets might get uncovered when I go deeper in God. No, because I'm better off for it. And anything that God asked me to give up for him, anything that God asked me to give up for him, if I do it and give it to him, he will give me twice as better, three times as better in return. Do not be afraid to sacrifice. Do not be afraid to go deeper in God. Let's lift our hands all over this house. Let's begin to pray tonight. Hallelujah. Let, come on, let's make that our prayer. I'm not afraid to go higher. I don't want to settle for the little things. I want to go up to the mountains. That's it. That's it. Come on, God loves you. He's not looking down on you in anger. He's not looking down on you in disgust. He's looking down on you in love. He knows your true potential. He knows all you can be in him. That's it. Surrender the pain. Surrender the fear. If you're watching at home, come on, and you need to forgive someone, come on, forgive. Make that up in your mind. Even if that person you need to forgive is dead and in the grave, forgive them. Extend forgiveness to them and watch how much deeper you'll go. Come on, that's it. That's it. God's going to make a more loving person out of you. God's going to give you more joy. God's going to give you more peace. That's it. That's it. Come on, his spirit's here. Let him do it. Let him do it. He loves you, sir. He loves you, ma'am. He believes in you. That's why he sent a preacher to preach to you tonight. He's got great things in store for you tonight.